Hello and welcome, and thank you for joining. I'm your host, Seth Haskin. I started this podcast to dive deeper into the ways we know one another and God. The goal is to ask the question of how God loves. I invite people from many walks of life to join me on this adventure. As we dive deeper into personifying God, we have to bring him into our three-dimensional world, but also understand that he lives in another state of being, the fourth dimension. I would love to welcome and thank our guest today. He is a recent graduate from Bethel University with a degree in psychology and is currently working as an intake coordinator at Fairview Southdale Hospital. I have known him since freshman year of college because he was uh, one of the freshman floor people. <laughs> yes. Yes, B1. Um, he is someone who is talented in, drawing, in the drawing arts and will always provide an ear to conversation. Welcome our guest today, Elijah Rollerson. <laughs> Thanks, Seth. Yes, of I, I, I love how you said that, the drawing arts. It's the drawing nice. arts. Well, because if I say <laughs> the arts, it could just mean like, you know, singing or anything else like that. That's too. fair. Yeah, I'll take it. Uh, yeah, as uh, Seth said, I'm also a, a recent graduate of Bethel University. I attended for three years. Um, and what, in my like sixth or seventh month out, finally working, I just started a new job at uh, Fairview. Um, I get to... Uh, kind of help patients out as they come in to the hospital for mental crisis. It's been very interesting as a psychologist, so I'm sure I'll be learning a lot more, and I hope I can bring some of that knowledge and wisdom uh, to you guys today. Yes. Well, thank you for, one, you know, using your degree in a very effective way, and two, for helping others while doing it. So Yeah, that's the hope. <laughs> yes. So um, just to, like, introduce our relationship a little bit, um, Elijah... It was, you had planned to be with Matt, right? Mm-hmm. On our floor, yep. On uh, freshman year. And mm-hmm. a lot of us on that floor were random, um, except for um, Judd and Luke, I think, and mm-hmm. Cole. And Logan. And Logan. Yeah. Um, but I think maybe Nick and Lucas, were they planned, or was that random? I think that was also random. Okay, mm-hmm. so it was random. So a lot of our floor was random. And let's just say that was, like, so interesting. That year was one of the best years of my life and um, I enjoyed every bit of it and we just clicked all of us kind of just clicked a little bit I mean a little bit we're a little bit distant to some others but like I think (laughs) the core of what we say as the b1 babes um, Bodine one first floor Mm -hmm. um, uh, have stayed together for a lot of it yeah I definitely think there was something special about that year Um, and in a lot of ways I feel like when I picture what you know brotherhood and fellowship looks like I think back on those years fondly or that year fondly rather mm-hmm. um yeah it was definitely a good time and I think especially as we were all maturing kind of figuring out who we were especially you know after college is a time of a lot of development socially <laughs> um and mentally I think it was really a great opportunity to have such good community on a freshman floor and sure. we got to give credit to our RA. Yeah, Brody Head. Shout Brody out. Head. Yeah, uh, <laughs> he was on this podcast already. Oh, nice. So, yeah, uh, there you previous go. episode with him um, talked about communion. So it was very good. Um, yeah, maybe I'll just get all the B1 babes on one episode. <laughs> <laughs> that would be, that'd be probably a little chaotic. That maybe. would be very chaotic. <laughs> trust me. It was a chaotic floor, but in a good way. In, in a good, good way. way. Yeah. 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 So um, we're just going to kind of dive right into it. I usually ask these questions to everyone who comes on my show, especially for the first time. And my first question is, um, what comes to mind when you hear the word relationship? Mm. You know, I think when I hear the word relationship, I think of two other words. 
um, and that is intentionality and consistency. Because mm-hmm. I feel like for a relationship to exist and for it to continue exist, you need to be intentional with another person. And for it to continue to exist, obviously, it needs to happen consistently mm-hmm. <laughs> and longitudinally, right? So I think it's that intentionality piece that influences the deepness and kind of prevents that relationship from being, you know, just on a, on a surface level. And, you know, a relationship can still be a relationship if it's just on the surface level. But mm-hmm. when I think of a relationship, I think of something that's deep and intentional and more intimate, right? And so you kind of need those two pieces in order for it to really thrive. Yeah, the intentionality will, I think, also um, determine how deep that relationship goes. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I always ask this question because, you know, somebody might be out there with a different thought about it and we get to hear it. So it's yeah. very nice to hear yours and Definitely. see how consistent it is with my thoughts or other people's thoughts. So um, what comes to mind when you envision a relationship with God? Mm. I th- when I env- envision my relationship with God, I think of, you know, unconditional love, something that really sets our relationship with God apart from our relationship with one another, right? Because he has such unconditional love for us. And I mean, we all hear that, right? Like throughout mm-hmm. Sunday school, God loved the world so much, right? I mean, I think it's so easy to blow that off, but it, there's so much truth to that statement. And something I've been learning more about my relationship with God recently is that he is constantly pursuing us. And whenever we need him, he is there to accept us, you know, just like the story of the prodigal son. And I think that's something that has been such a freeing understanding for me in my relationship with God to know that even though I have messed up plenty, (laughs) right, I've made a lot of mistakes. And for a lot of years, I've, you know, tried to kind of rationalize getting away with him or getting away from him rather sorry in in, in a multitude of different ways but kind of coming back to him in this more recent year i think i've been kind of growing more in my understanding of what my relationship with him looks like Mm -hmm. and there's Mm -hmm. there is no shame in like falling away from that i think i think there's Mm -hmm. a stigma around the church like if you fall away you know it's a bad thing because doubt I think helps us develop our faith. And I think the way that Mm -hmm. the church talks about doubt sometimes, um, not every church, but like just in general, the way people talk about doubt when it comes to faith, like if you don't have that, then you don't have faith. And it's Mm -hmm. just like, um, that can be harmful because if people do have doubt, then they may just completely go away Mm -hmm. because then they're like, Oh, I can't believe in something that I have to have hundred percent faith in. And you know, that actually reminds me because, A couple friends I had um, kind of as I was growing up in the church, like I, you know, no longer talk to them, but I just hear from my parents like, Mm -hmm. oh, yeah, so and so has kind of fallen away from the faith and they've, you know, kind of really hurt, you know, their relationship with their parents and they're no longer really going to church or believing any theology and it, and it's definitely interesting because I think it starts as those doubts. Right. And I, and I think, as you said, there's definitely a stigma where it's like, oh my gosh, if you're having doubts, you must not believe in God and that is not okay, right? And we Mm -hmm. kind of shun it. Whereas I think, you know, as Lee Strobel, hopefully some of you may know him, as Lee Strobel found out, you know, having doubts can oftentimes cultivate a greater understanding of, you know, scripture and our relationship with God. And I think fostering that and letting those questions be aired out and discovered 
um, I think can be really important for sure. Yeah. The journey is just as important as, you know, you know, the answers, I think, I think mm-hmm. it's more important than the answers. And I think a lot of times answers aren't, you know, satisfactory Yeah, for the journey maybe. Mm-hmm. And I think doubt specifically is a way that we, um, grow. And mm-hmm. I think, um, having doubts is okay. And I just want to reiterate, reiterate, thank you. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That to, um, anybody out there, including myself and you. So yeah, for sure. Definitely. Um, when you were talking about your relationship with God, you mentioned the word unconditional. Yes. Big word. (laughs) Yes, it is. And I, and I think it's used quite a bit and I think sometimes it goes unnoticed on how, like what the meaning behind that actually is. Can you explain Mm. what you think of when you think of unconditional love? Yeah. For me, the word unconditional. Yeah, definitely. Um, from, from my understanding of unconditional and unconditional love, it really describes how no matter what we do, no matter how many times we fail, no matter what decisions we make, good or bad, God isn't going to love us any more or any less than he already does. And I think that's so important because oftentimes in such a materialistic society, <laughs> it's really easy to think, well, if I am a good person, God will love me more. Or if I'm a bad person, it's going to be really hard for me to connect with God because I've done all these bad things. And I, and I think it's just so important to remember the, the reality of God's love because we oftentimes have heard that word so many times, as I said, it, it, we really become desensitized to it where we're like, oh, yeah, God's omnipotent. You know, he's, <laughs> you know, he's everywhere. He has this unconditional love. We're like, OK, sure. He sent his son. So what? But I think there's such a beauty in that simple gospel of the fact that because God had this unconditional love and still has this unconditional love, he sent his son for us and each and every one of us. And I think to slowly come to that realization over the course of our lifetime is, you know, what it in part, what it means to be a Christ follower Mm. and have a relationship with him. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. There you go. (laughs) There we go. There we go. Um, Unconditional. Mm -hmm. I think there are many different ways to talk about it. And I think um, talking about sometimes the simple words that we use every day can help us. Yeah, definitely. Um, my next question is, um, since we've talked about relationships, both on, you know, the faith side and just like regular relationships that we have every day, Mm -hmm. um, human to human relationships, um, can you describe some of the relationships you have with anyone? It could be anything. Anyone. I'll, I'll describe, um, the relationship I have with my dad. Okay. Um, Cause you know, it's, it's definitely interesting cause it's very unique, right? We only have one dad. <laughs> um, and what's interesting for me in my relationship with him is his dad wasn't present in his life really at all. And so looking back on my life, it's really interesting for me to kind of see how he really depended on God to be able to understand what it meant to be a good father and be intentional Um, and even now I think he's still learning, you know, what it means to be a father, but I think that's what it means to be a human, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. Just to be in a constant state of learning. Right. But, you know, for me and him, although we are father and son, we've still had times where we need to be needed to be very intentional with one another to Mm -hmm. spend time Mm -hmm. with each other. Um, we still are (laughs) trying to, you know, find a common hobby that we can kind of bond over. Um, but yeah, it, it, it takes work. Um, and even though I'm, you know, closer with both of my parents than I maybe 
was in you know high school or something like that um it's still a process and i'm but i'm so thankful that i'm able to put time into that relationship right and kind of depend on him because over the over the past year especially kind of especially out of college i think i've depended on my parents a lot more um emotionally and mentally um and i think i'm okay saying that because you know it i think we kind of love especially in college you know in high school to find our own sense of independence right Mm -hmm. um what you angsty teen yeah angsty teen (laughs) but you know as you get older you kind of realize that your parents do have a lot of wisdom and a lot of the things that you might have gotten upset for them harping on you you know was actually out of a place of love and and wisdom and you can kind of maybe start to see that a bit more when you have time away with them but Mm -hmm. yeah i think it's really important to kind of value that and at least that's what I value in my dad, for sure. Yeah. Do you, do you learn any experiences that your parents had that helped you with experiences that you have now? That's a good, that's a very good question. Um, what I really love to do is because my dad is a pastor. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Are you a PK? I'm a PK. <laughs> Weird. <laughs> Just Bethel things. Mm. Um, I really like um, talking to my dad about theology and his questions I have just to get his opinion on it. Um, and, you know, obviously that's not something everyone may be able to do with their, you know, mm. their parents. Actually, I mean, you can. They might just not be a pastor. <laughs> um, but I think that's something that I've really valued is being able to go to him and just say, hey, I I don't know what to think about this. This is a really big subject in theology. What What's your take? And kind of have that back, back and forth conversation um, has been important for me. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Do you categorize your different relationships um let's say do you have a certain way of thinking about what friends are what Mm. acquaintances are what work friends are do you do you do that and it doesn't have to be on a conscious level yeah i mean that's what i was going to say i don't i don't know if it necessarily happens on a conscious level but 100 percent subconsciously right i mean there's kind of on the more intimate side, there's friends that I share a lot of my life with and that I go to when I'm struggling or I need help or I have good news or I'm, you know, celebrating something. Um, And they know a lot of what's going on in my life. And I would consider those to be my close friends. I don't always use the word best friend or best friends for whatever reason. Um, But yeah, I would say they're they're my close friends. And then I just have, you know, some of my friends, I, I would consider you one of my friends, right? Yay. Where we hang out every now and again, we catch up, you know, we share laughs and it's, it's great. And I don't think that's a bad place to be or to say that, you know, you're just a friend and that's, that's okay. Because in reality, I don't know that anyone can just have all close friends or all best friends. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and similarly, there's friends that, I, you know, it's somewhere in between friends and acquaintance, right? Where I'm friends with you, but I only hang out with you like every other month or something. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, mm-hmm. but you know, it's just, we enjoy each other's company. We catch up. It's fine. Uh, and then lastly, you know, I have some friends that that are in their category of their own. I don't know necessarily how to, how to uh, articulate this, but I'll use my friend Garrett as an example uh, I was really close to Garrett in high school. Um, but you know, since then he moved down to Texas to go to Baylor. So I, I don't see him a lot, you know, really only maybe once or twice a year, but when I do see him, we pick up, you know, right back where we left off and we can share those, 
you know, close intimate details of, you know, what has been happening in our life. And it's great. And just because we don't talk all year doesn't really degrade the, the quality of our relationship. We just kind of pick up right where we left off. And it, that's definitely like more of a, a specific case for sure. Mm-hmm. But I think it's worth, worth saying because I think some people kind of put a lot of weight into, well, how much are you doing for me? And mm-hmm. it, are you reaching out and initiating enough? Like, are you putting in the same effort I am? And for me, I think it's okay just to have those friends that, you know, you just catch up every now and again, and that's okay. And it's okay that you're not as close as you could be, uh, but you're also maybe not far away, and that's and that's all right. Do you think it's important with those friends? Because I think it's great to have, you know, we can't be best friends with everybody or very mm-hmm. close friends with yeah. everybody, but do you think it's important to kind of DTR? You know, with hmm. um, your close friends or define the relationship of people that know, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, define the relationship of like, uh, I, I, I love this about our relationship or like um, we bring this to each other all the time. Mm-hmm. And then with the not so close friends, um, sometimes I see that they don't have close friends sometimes. And so they're trying mm-hmm. to develop a close friend with you. And then they may carry resentment because there wasn't mm-hmm. any communication Saying sure. that, like we 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 click well, we work well, and we're great like together. But like, w- you don't have that mm-hmm. deeper relationship with me. Yeah, I'm not sure if I've ever had just like an explicit yeah platonic DTR, <laughs> <laughs> right? Uh, but I I think if you are wanting a friendship to look different or a relationship to look different, it's okay to talk about that and to say, hey, this is what I've noticed. You know, I I kind of wish I knew you a little bit better. And, you know, I don't know if you might feel the same way, but it'd be kind of cool to get, you know, some coffee with you sometime. That's like the classic Bethel thing, right? Mm-hmm. Let's get coffee sometime and then yeah. it never happens. <laughs> or let's go. I got so many swipes. Let me swipe you into yeah, the DC. Yeah, right. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> so I think in, 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 my, in my experience, it's happened much more implicitly. But I think you can still carry intentionality with how you kind of pursue platonic friendships, right? Where you know, I think it's okay just to try to actively create spaces where you can get to know that person better if you're kind of desiring a bit closer of a relationship. Mm-hmm. I think that is something, do you think, let's see if you agree with me here, mm-hmm. that's something that um, a lot of the growing generations now, so from like mid-20s or late-20s till like our, uh, you know, age group, mm-hmm. you know, like early-20s and like now uh 16 year olds and now everybody behind us. Um, do you think that is something that we struggle with being intentional with our relationships or well being intentional and just like, you know, um, going out of our way to be like, Hey, Mm. I want this out of the relationship. I'm looking for this out of this relationship and like, I don't want to do this or that or so on and so forth. Mm. I, I think we do struggle with communication and sacrifice. Sacrifice. (laughs) That's maybe kind of a big word, but you know, I think we, I mean, just the way that we're neurologically designed and how we operate, we're, you know, we're always going to probably be looking out for our best interests, right? Mm-hmm. And I think it's really hard for us to kind of shift gears and think about how other people may be feeling or what, you know, is best for another person. And I mean, uh, oftentimes, you know, sacrificial relationships may only be kind of be reserved more for like marriage and more romantic slash intimate relationships. Um, but I think to a certain extent, it, it, it's okay. And well, it's okay to, and we should, I would say, carry empathy 
you know, when we approach relationships. But I, you know, I do really think that a lot of us maybe struggle um, to always do that, <laughs> right, in our generation. Because, I mean, to a certain extent, relationships and how we manage them through, you know, social media and our phones is so much different than, you know, how our parents might have interacted with each other, especially our grandparents, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's so interesting to, to me to try to explain our generation to my grandparents because they just don't, you know, they what don't do you understand. Mean you met someone online and you haven't met them and you're your friend. Yeah. Wh- yeah. What? You, you met someone playing a video game and now, you, you know, um, but yeah, it, it, it's definitely different. I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing, but I think we also have to carry intentionality in how we interact with each other and kind of being, a, and be aware of how, you know, these factors are kind of influencing us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's so weird to, think about like how much of a shift has happened in two generations. Mm-hmm, yeah. How fast technology has changed the way we interact with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, so many different kinds of relationships happen in our lives, whether it be, you know, yeah. close friends or um, distant friends that we can, you know, meet up with once a month and like just enjoy each other's company or that specific friend that you mentioned, Garrett, where you haven't seen each other in two years, but you pick up, pick up right where you left off. Right. Um, how do these different ways of thinking about relationships maybe affect the way you think about your relationship with God? Mm-hmm. Do you think about him as a friend? Do you think about him as a fatherly figure? Do you think him about, um, you know, someone that you just talk to, you know, <laughs> once a week on Sunday and yeah. enjoy each other's company for that little bit. But if you get to know each other more, something might happen. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think the key thing in my understanding of my relationship with God you know, kind of has been, was kind of reinforced in the past year or two. I forget exactly where I heard this. Um, Maybe it was a sermon or something Mm -hmm. similar. Um, But this individual said, you know, if you consider God to be a close friend and someone that you want, you know, to have intimacy with, do you only talk to your close friends once a week or your most intimate relationship? Do you only interact with them once a week? Or... Are you, you know, pouring your energy into, you know, that relationship consistently? And is it even possible really to have a a, a hearty, uh, concrete, intimate relationship if we're only interacting with them once a week or even, you know, for others, maybe not as often? And and for those listening, like there's nothing wrong with that. Right. Mm-hmm. Like we're, we are all in process. And that I think no matter where you are, that is totally OK. But I think what was key for me is understanding if I do want a close relation with God, I'm going to have to start putting in some work consistently throughout the week. And, you know, for me, what what that has looked like is, you know, trying to read scripture daily, right? That's kind of the classic thing, but also just short prayers to God uh, throughout the day. Hey, God, I'm I'm really stressed right now. I, I'm feeling a ton of anxiety. I'm having really intrusive thoughts. Can you bring me your holy peace in this moment? Amen. And it can be super simple. It's, it can be very casual too for me. Um, but I think all like those small interactions that I'm, you know, I might be having with God throughout the day kind of help foster that relationship for sure. Yeah. I think it's very important to, when we think about relationships and how they may affect the way we view God, if we're viewing God a certain way, what does that look like? And, what we would consider a very like intimate or healthy way 
of a relationship on earth. Because mm-hmm. even if you don't view him as a friend and you view him as a father, yeah. what does a father-son relationship look like? Yeah. And you said, I'm trying to be intentional with my father. You know, mm-hmm. and so like those ideas is the basis of why I started this podcast, you know, of like looking mm-hmm. at relationships we have and seeing how that may influence the way we think about God. And if we say God is this type of relationship, what does that look like in a healthy sense to us? Yeah, definitely. And I also want to say, you know, if anyone understands how hard it is <laughs> to maintain a consistent relation with God in college, we, we do. <laughs> it is so hard to yeah. maintain. Even at a Christian campus. Even on hard. a Christian campus, mm-hmm. it is so hard to maintain spiritual discipline. And so I just want to encourage you all, it, it's okay to be in that process and still mm-hmm. be figuring out what it looks like um, to have that relationship with God. Because for me, it it honestly didn't get very consistent until after college when I had a bit more time and I felt like I had the bandwidth, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and I wasn't just in survival mode. <laughs> um, but I, you know, I think trying to be intentional, at least thinking about, you know, how can I maybe talk to God once today? How can I maybe read one chapter of scripture today? Um, I think is really important for, that's kind of like the foundation building blocks that I've kind of used to grow my relationship with him. Do you think um, understanding, like, let's say, practicing the spiritual discipline of reading scripture, do you think reading scripture and understanding scripture will help improve your knowledge of God's character and who he is and thus improve your relationship with him? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think as we read scripture, we become more attuned to how the Holy Spirit is, you know, communicating with us Mm. and we can, you know, become better at hearing the voice of God. And I think that's really important. Um, Even just one example for me in my own struggle with, you know, mental health, it's really good for me to be able to, you know, when I'm having intrusive thoughts to be able to say, no, I'm, I'm a, I'm beloved by a, by a glorious creator. You know, I am, I have purpose because of um, God and, there's someone who cares about me deeply, intrinsically and unconditionally, <laughs> right? And and being able to have those thoughts or even quote scripture in those times, I think is really important. And it's it's kind of a small thing, but it can go a long way where even if you're just reading like a chapter or two of scripture, I think it can be very useful for sure um, in your day-to-day life. Yeah, so my next follow-up question to that is, do you think understanding um, earthly relationships, whatever context it may be, do you think that can help you understand your relationship with God or mm-hmm. yeah? Um, to that, I would say, you know, I think as a church, we're called to have a relationship with other people and have mm-hmm. fellowship. I don't, I don't know that we can be, you know, true Christ followers and be living to our full potential if we are not in community with one another. I don't, I don't, you know, does that make sense? Like, I don't mm-hmm. know that without, you know, brotherhood, fellowship, and support from other Christians if I could be the best that I could be. Because I think, you know, to be a Christian means to be a part of the body of Christ. And I think, although there's a lot of hurt that happens in the church, I think there's so much good that can happen Mm -hmm. when we are all, you know, kind of aligned under the purpose of God. And that and kind of my understanding of the church and what that it looks like, I think, has really influenced how I perceive God and, you know, how I think about him. Yeah. Um, how is with this question, because we're talking about like viewing relationships on earth and like viewing our relationship with God and 
how they're connected and you know we're made to be in communion with one another mm-hmm. is basically what I got right yeah yeah um how is your relationship with God different than your relationship with others mm. I mean that's a good question right because it probably should look different right yeah um I I mean I would say that intimacy piece um I think well actually I know <laughs> rather that you know, God is someone that knows me intrinsically well and that there won't be another human (laughs) that knows me as well as he does. And so I think that adds definitely a layer of intimacy in, in my relationship with Christ, but also what sets, what really sets him apart for me is that I can fully trust him and fully surrender myself, you know, to, to Christ. Right. Because I know that, you know, he has promises in the Bible that he won't, you know, break his promises that, you know, he has things in store for me and that he loves me. And I know that that isn't going to change. Whereas with a relationship with another person, un- unfortunately, we might get heartbroken, right? Or, or we might get betrayed or hurt. And, you know, wh- while that's just a natural consequence of our own brokenness, I, I think that definitely sets us apart or sets our relationship with Christ apart. Um yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll end there. <laughs> yeah. A uh, follow-up question is in what ways are your relationships with others similar to your relationship with God? You know, I I think of all of the joyful moments mm-hmm. I have shared with others in the past couple of years. And I mean, we can even think back to on our freshman floor. Mm-hmm. We had so many fun moments, you know, and I think I think you know, I'd like to believe God was right there, you know, laughing along, right, and kind of celebrating and enjoying our fellowship and joy with one another. Um, I, you know, just as deep as our relationship with God is, I think it's also okay to see him as a friend that's just there to, like, have those joyful moments with you, and they don't have to be deeply meaningful it's just okay to have a laugh like i would i would like to think god has a you know good sense of humor mm-hmm. so you know when i think about those the how my earthly relationships have influenced you know my heavenly one um you know i i think it's okay to kind of see the characteristics that god has given others kind of show up in my earthly relationships and be like oh wow you know i love how you have god's spirit of empathy I love how you have God's spirit of peace and I can recognize that and say, wow, you know, give glory to God. Like that's so cool that, you know, your talents and skills are showing in that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it's uh, something to be said that if uh, we believe that um, God's character shows up in what he creates, then we're part of that. It's Mm -hmm. not just nature. I think there's a big focus on nature, but I think there also needs to be a big focus on one another. Mm-hmm. You know, like you said, those joyful moments when you see something and you're like, wow, that person has so much empathy. And you're like, God mm-hmm. has so much empathy. Yeah. You know, and so I don't know if you agree with that question. Yeah. Mark? Okay. I mean, what I've been really challenging myself to do in recent and kind of in the recent year is to whenever I come across someone new or, you know, someone that I'm unsure about, I try to keep in mind that that person is a very intentionally crafted individual that God made and deeply cherishes, deeply cherishes as much as he does me. And when I look at another person, I think I, I, you know, I really need to keep in mind that 
God deeply loves them. And sometimes I'll like do a little prayer where I'm like, God, like show me what you love about this person so that I can love them well too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So you graduated with a uh, psychology. Yes. Okay. So I'm going to ask you a little psychological questions. Oh I know this isn't on the paper that I <laughs> uh, prepared, but pop quiz, pop quiz. Um, what was Freud's theory on? I'm joking. Oh, gosh. <laughs> no, uh, good old, good old, Freud. good old Freud. Yeah, <laughs> slightly concerning. Yeah, <laughs> slightly concerning. Um, so uh, taking psychology courses and understanding more about the human mind and like things that go on, not just like physiologically about like neurons just firing, but like Mm -hmm. um, trauma and Mm. um, past experiences, conditioning and learning, uh, habituation, all those things, has that helped you gain more empathy for others? Mm. You know what? I would say viewing others' brokenness through the scope of my own (laughs) has allowed me to have a lot of empathy. Okay. Um, but kind of how I tie God into psychology, and this is my own kind of okay. understanding, is that for us to, you know, truly heal from a lot of these traumas and brokenness and, you know, deeply hurtful experiences that we've had, we need to kind of include God in that healing process. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for me, I just try to have so much empathy for others that are currently going through a lot. Like... As I said, I'm currently working at a hospital. Um, I see a lot of people come in that are, you know, in mental crisis. So that might look like they're in psychosis. They um, might not know what's going on. They might be really suicidal. Um, and that's so hard to see because it is like the traumatic brokenness of like humans. Just to see that is so hard. <laughs> but at the same time, you know, I have so much empathy for them because as I said, they're so deeply cherished by God. And so I've, you know, a couple times at a few times already at work in the first like three weeks that I've been there, I've all, I've, I've prayed for them like right at my desk where I'm just like, God, you love these people and some of the addictions that they're struggling with, some of the, the brokenness that they're struggling with, it is keeping them from, you know, the potential that you have in store for them. Like, please, allow this to be a place of healing and come into that process so that you can bring them, you know, out of it. And so, yeah, I think being able to see others through the lens of maybe, or at least attempt to see others through the lens of Christ, I think has brought me a lot of empathy for sure. Well, you answered my next question, which is, uh, (laughs) do you think your experiences help you see what maybe, I know God isn't human, Mm -hmm. but like see what like he could feel when we're going through those times, Mm. like at our lowest or we're struggling with something. Do you think your experiences through whatever you've done in the past and mm-hmm. what you're doing now in the hospital, do you think that gives you a window into how much like love God has for certain people? <laughs> I think it does. And it doesn't because I I can't even begin to comprehend how, how he cares for us. <laughs> and... I mean, it is really mind blowing to even like stop and try to Mm -hmm. think about it. (laughs) But yeah, I would say definitely my experiences have um, shown that that God is good, even in even in these moments of, you know, deep brokenness. And I think it's so it's so hard to kind of grapple with that. Right. Of 
you know, these people are, you know, really suffering or I'm really suffering right now. You know, where is God in this? And how, like, how in the world is God going to use this experience for good? Because it sucks right now, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, you know, for me and my experience, it things do get better. And praise God because he does use it for good. You know, it's like I, I can sit here right now and testify that God has, you know, brought me out of a lot of the mental illness that I was afflicted with. And I, and I think despite how difficult a lot of these experiences are, they can be used for the good of God. And I think in a lot of ways, it's the only thing that's like kept me going, you know, because it's like, man, if this doesn't have any purpose right now, what is, what is it all for? But I, you know, I can praise him because it does have purpose in it and it contributes to my own purpose. Mm-hmm. I think it's so interesting for me personally. I've thought about this question of especially being a neuroscience major and understanding, mm-hmm. you know, the brain and everything. I think it's given me uh, a lens in which to look through and be like, okay, I can understand this. It's a metaphor that I like to use is I didn't like football when growing up. Right. <laughs> sure. Um, but th- my family did. So it was always around and I had no problem with it. But the more I sat down and watched, the more I started to learn about football and I found myself the more that I started to learn about football what penalties mean what and what I started to get more involved I started to be more like active in football right Mm -hmm. I started to be like oh my gosh I can't believe they did that they should have been doing this and it's like it's so easy to do that sometimes and I feel like that's kind of the way I'm viewing like the way the thought process of the more I understand about you the more I'm able Mm -hmm. to come from a place where I'm like, man, like you have been through so much. And like, it just gives me more empathy towards that person, the more I learn about them. And I think Mm -hmm. that has given me a window into God, because if he knows everything about Mm -hmm. you, how can he not love you? You know what I'm saying? Right. Um, because I feel like the more you learn about someone or something, mm-hmm. the more you start to enjoy it and the more you love mm-hmm. it. And I think like God has that times infinity. Yeah. And I mean, bringing my, you know, more psychological perspective, bring it, <laughs> bring it I, on. I think what I have learned in recent years is, although it is so, so easy to look at someone at their lowest point or maybe not at, you know, maybe mm-hmm. it's not even their lowest point and to be like, oh my gosh so-and-so is falling apart they are crazy (laughs) but i think at the same time we have to acknowledge that we are completely unaware of the trauma and the experiences that they may Mm -hmm. have gone through i mean as you said i think because god knows that he can say like my child i still love you even though all these things have happened to you and you may be currently lost you know i still love you um and I think for me to begin to understand that and understand everything that everyone has gone through is impossible. <laughs> but I try to come from a place where I say, although this thing may be annoying to deal with to like a oh, abhorrent, <laughs> it you still come from a place of you're broken and I'm broken. And who knows if I were in your shoes and I had to face the same things that you did in your upbringing, in your adolescence, in your young adulthood, in your adulthood, I may have been in the exact same place. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, really, we all deal with 
brokenness in different ways and we all kind of get different doses <laughs> of it, you know, from other people. Right. And that certainly affects how we develop and how we act around others. I think it brings us back to this idea of unconditional um, love, unconditional mm-hmm. love that God has and how we can sort of tap into what we know about, like what we theorize about unconditional love. And I think it gives us a little bit of a moment in our lives where we see that window into unconditional love. Mm-hmm. And I think relationships can provide a, not the perfect example, but an example of what unconditional love could look like. It could be a mother child, a father child. It could be mm-hmm. friendship. Uh, it could be, you know, a workplace relationship. You know, it could be any type of relationship. And um, I think it's so important to, talk about these ideas. Do you think it's just as important to understand relationships to help us understand who we are and who God is and what our relationship with that is? Yeah, definitely. And I mean, that that just reminds me of how many times I've heard men talk about their experience being a father. Mm-hmm. And although, you know, I'm not a dad, I've heard so many, you know, great revelations you know, spoken because of their experience, you know, in the birth of their child or how their child has grown up because they're like, wow, I can really begin to relate to what God might feel as a father, you know, and I'm excited to maybe experience that one day. Mm -hmm. But I think similarly, a lot of the ways in which you interact with others and have relationship with others can definitely influence um, and contribute to our understanding of what it is to be in relationship with God. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think because we've been talking about personifying God on the show do you think it's appropriate to personify guy to personify God sorry mm-hmm. uh, I mean I, I would say maybe not to the extent that we forget that yes, he is like yes. I mean, the I had ultimate that creator <laughs> uh, but also I think for me it has been useful to you know, in my quiet time to imagine God, you know, sitting next to me or, you know, him, you know, having his hand on my shoulder, or like having those kind of moments where I'm perceiving him as a, a person. And, you know, that to say, like, it's not like I can mm-hmm. understand or perceive him as God in my room. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I think it kind of helps us. Um, at least it helps me make God feel like he is in the moment that I'm in currently, if that makes sense, because I can kind of see him almost, if that makes sense. And not to say that it helps him become more real for me, but I think it can kind of help remind me that he is present um, and omnipotent in whatever place I may be. He is, you know, with me. It's, it's, it's better for me to, you know, visualize that sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think it's hard if we don't visualize that to make God tangible for us to understand? I don't think it's necessary. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I mean, everyone is different. Like maybe it is better for um, others to kind of leave God as more of an abstract thing in their head. I, I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. Um, but, you know, whatever may healthily contribute to how we understand and perceive God, I think, can be definitely a good thing. Mm-hmm. Do you find God to be intangible sometimes? Like, I know you said that mm. um, you imagine him being in your room, but that still has its limits. Do you find it right. hard to 
tangibly like feel him or understand him in some way? Definitely in my like previous experiences. I think, you know, a year ago I felt very, you know, distant from God. And because of the own struggles I was having in my life, I felt like I was too broken and too sinful to even like approach the throne. And so in that sense, it was really hard for me to even begin imagining God being present in my life Mm -hmm. in any capacity because of the things that I was experiencing, how far away I felt from him. Um, So I definitely think, you know, that is a place that one can be in. And, you know, as we've said a couple times, it's okay to be in that process. And being in that process is kind of what contributed to where I am now. Mm. Yeah. There's so many things that make you, you. Right. And I think that's what makes, you know, conversation with others or relationships with others so amazing. Like statistically what makes you, you today is phenomenal, phenomenally, you know, vast. Like Mm -hmm. the numbers, like from when you were thought of uh, humanly, godly, when you were thought of from a human standpoint to where you are today, every single second that happened to you, statistically making you who you are today. is impossible. (laughs) It's so, like, so, so small. And I think there's even more complexity to that when we're in relationship with people who are so complexly that Mm -hmm as well. I think it's so hard. I mean, so easy to sometimes understand how complex we are as ourselves, but sometimes harder to see that with others. And I think once we realize how statistically complex you are across the table from me Mm -hmm. and like now we're in a relationship, this conversation statistically, very, very small with two people now, because now you have numbers stacking on top of each Mm -hmm. other. Exponentially. Exponentially. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, I feel that reminder of how vast it really is Mm -hmm. is just a humbling experience. And it just like reminds me of like this relationship is so unique Mm -hmm. and every relationship with I have with you from moment to moment is going to be so unique in every relationship that I don't have with you with someone else is going to be a vastly unique and I think it mm-hmm. unlocks a th- third part of us. Mm. You know, it's not just you and me in this room, it's you, me and us, you mm-hmm. know. And it's just like when I'm around you and you're around me, we act, you know, together. Mm-hmm. And it's not just two individuals talking at each other. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I would uh, I would ditto that. <laughs> ditto that. Ditto that. Any uh, other thoughts on that or um yeah, I mean I think that's definitely like a very, you know, scientific way <laughs> to approach theology. And I, I mean, maybe some people, you know, can relate to that. Some people may not be able to as much. Uh, but I think, you know, similarly, my mind works the same way. And, you know, being someone that also studies the brain and the mind somewhat. And it, statistics. And statistics. <laughs> Got to take it here. <laughs> I enjoyed it. It, it is. It is crazy how complex we are, even just physiologically. Oh yeah, you know it's it's Biology. pretty ridiculous. Yeah, um, and I and I think even if that's not your thing, it's it's quite ridiculous to begin to try to comprehend mm-hmm. what it took for us to even exist in the first place. I know that statistic is ridiculous. Yeah, but you know to be in the place that we are now, it it's it's quite interesting and. 
Definitely. I, in, in my mind, it, it causes me to want to, you know, glorify God because it's, it's just crazy to think about. All right. So we're getting close to the end of our time here. But right. I have two kind of bigger questions that may take up some more time. And I'm going <laughs> to sure. ask them both to you. Oh, boy. <laughs> I'm ready. So the first one is, um, what does it mean to be made in God's image? Boom. On the table. Go. Wait, were you, you going to ask two, the, both questions at the same time? No, just that one. Oh, okay, but I okay. know it's a very loaded question. So, What does it mean to be uh, made in God's image? You don't have to get theological on me. You can just like, <laughs> this is what it means to me. Um, You know, kind of as I said a little bit before, I think, you know, God's, you know, as many people say, God's handprints are kind of all over us, right? Where his, you know, infinite sense of justice has rubbed off on some of us where we are, you know, we have strong convictions and are zealous to pursue a pure sense of justice for all. Um, or for others, it's his infinite sense of empathy and love that is rubbed off mm. on us. And I think we, we, we carry around these characteristics um, sometimes without even knowing that they are some, you know, connected to the true nature and character of God, right? Um, but for me, I think I can see that, and I see how, you know, God has created this person to pursue justice, and I think, wow, that's that's pretty cool. It might not be how I'm gifted or how I operate, but I think we can kind of start to see God's, you know, fingerprints and how He has influenced us to you know, grow, age, develop, you know, whatever word you might want to use. That, that is so good. <laughs> like when you said um, some people may have God's sense of infinite justice and are zealous about certain things, I'm like, wow, that makes so much more sense to me. You yeah. know, like when it comes to talking about gifts and talents, I mm -hmm. think we get so narrow-minded about, you know, what what's said in the Bible. But looking at God's character and seeing what rubs quote unquote, rubs off on us, you know, I think those could, that's just like, that's my, that's eye opening to me. Like what you just said, I don't know if you know what you just said, like <laughs> something opened up in my mind and now oh, I'm going to be thinking about it for days. <laughs> good. I'm glad. So I'm we're going to have to, thought provoking. we're going to have to talk more on that. Definitely. <laughs> if you ever want to come back on, which sure. I would be glad to have you back on, but yeah, God's handprints, you know, mm -hmm. the Imago Dei, the image of God on us we we have certain parts of God's character, not yeah. fully His character, because then we would be fully God, and that's that's not, a whole nother sum sum maybe. That, that's that's not what we are. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I think, yeah. Oh, that was so good. I don't know how to describe it right now. Oh, I don't good. have the words, so I'm just gonna leave it at that. Sure. Great description. Hit me with that second question, Seth. Hit you with that second question, and um, <laughs> probably our last question. But sure. if another one comes up of it. I'll be sure to ask you, or you can ask me. Um, and the last question is, if there is anything you have learned from your past experiences, your past experiences, your relationships, um, your life, other people's experiences, other people's relationships, whatever it may be, something you have learned that has helped you understand who God is, how can we turn what you have learned into a discipline mm. that we can use daily? You know, I I might end with a little bit of a story. Do it. <laughs> that I Go have. ahead. Um, so, you know, back in high school, 
Um, interestingly enough, my janitor was a pastor. <laughs> uh, I went to a private. <laughs> yeah, I'm surrounded by pastors. I went to a private school, by the way. Obviously. Obviously, um, you look no. <laughs> and um, I was present for a conversation a female student was having with our janitor Fofana, um, and it kind of went like this: female student was asking Fofana, you know, Fofana, if I can at the end of my life accept Christ into my heart, what what's the point? Like, why why would I give up? You know, having sex before marriage. And, you know, doing what I want and putting myself first for all of these no's that God mm. has put in the Bible. Why? What's the reason for that? And, you know, at the time in high school, I'm like, that is a good question. Like, that what's is a good question. <laughs> like, what? how do you answer that? And honestly, I forget what Fafana said. Um, but how I've come to understand the answer, at least for me, is that God isn't you know, and maybe some of you have heard this, but God isn't putting all of these quote unquote no's or disciplines in our life to prohibit us from ever having freedom or having joy, mm -hmm. et cetera. Right. Um, but rather it's because as a parent does, he is putting restrictions on what we can and can't do because he loves us. Just as your parents might say, I want you to be back by 10. And you're like, mom, I, you know, I want to go to Taco Bell at 2 a.m., please. <laughs> <laughs> um, but obviously, maybe that's not the best thing for you, especially on a school night, maybe. Um, and, you know, similarly, I think it's these disciplines that God has put in the Bible and has called us to that are holding us accountable, but also, you know, kind of prompting us on the path that he has chosen that is full of joy and that is for us. And that is, you know for the good of those who follow it, right? And, you know, I think it is really easy to be like, <laughs> for that example, I want to have sex before marriage, et cetera. We can talk about that. That's a whole nother podcast maybe. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think I I had to realize that, you know, God really cares about me. And he, if anyone was going to understand what fun is, what having a good time is, it, it'd probably be God, <laughs> <laughs> the omniscient being, right? Yeah. Um, but he's doing that because a lot of these things need to be enjoyed in a container. And kind of what I, you know, one example I'll use from a pastor kind of using that sex analogy is that sex is something that can be very rampant and destructive outside of the, the container, quote unquote, I'm doing air quotes here, uh, of marriage. Um, and to put it into that container allows us to fully enjoy it as God intended and in a way that it's safe and fulfilling. Um, and it, it's okay to kind of acknowledge that and kind of come to that realization where, you know, God isn't just trying to be an annoying parent that is just trying to ground us or, you know, but he's doing these things cause he loves us. So that's, that's the story right there for you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, I love that story. I mean, life mm -hmm. is just full of stories. We're storytellers. Yeah. I mean, from the beginning. So, and I think God's a great storyteller. And mm -hmm. this is storytelling. We're telling our, our experiences. So, right. um, I would love to have you back on if you're willing. You don't have to answer now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Sounds um, good. But I, I really enjoyed this conversation. And I'm sure we're going to enjoy every conversation afterwards, whether it be on here or not. Definitely. Um, I would love to thank you for joining me. 
I know yeah. it was kind of reaching your neck out a little bit, you know, you know, it's a little bit. No, you're good. Thanks yeah. for having me, Seth. Um, I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure the audience will love you just as much as I do. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> um, but thank you again. Definitely.